and you're listening to Dream Infringement. You'll be hanging out with just me, Jennifer, tonight. I'm one-third of Dream Infringement, but Bobby and Emily are with me in spirit, and it's really creepy. I told them they could take the night off, but they insisted on projecting their non-corporeal manifestations, so that's been fun. Better reception than Zoom, though. No one has Wi-Fi like the astral plane. So previously, I had a show episode called Unexpected Songs, where I played songs used in movies by actors who were singing for the role only or were not known primarily for their singing ability. And this evening, I'm reversing it, and it's Unexpected Acting, where people primarily known as singers and musicians try their hand at the silver screen. And, if I can find it on the internet, some backstory of what motivated them to try acting. Some singers only acted in one movie, and some have become big names in Hollywood. First singer-turned-actress, Whitney Houston. She debuted in The Bodyguard in 1992. She later starred in Waiting to Exhale, The Preacher's Wife, Princess Diaries, Sparkle, along with many television appearances. She was originally approached about The Bodyguard by Kevin Costner himself, who planned to star in the film, and was set on Houston for his female co-star. He felt so certain that Houston was right for the role that he agreed to wait as long as she wanted, as long as she'd agree to do the film. He said, There are certain singers that occupy that territory that includes a world-class voice, real elegance, and a physical presence. But two years would pass before Houston would finally relent and agree to be in the movie. He called her one day and said, Listen, are you going to do this movie with me or not? She told him her fears and she said, I don't want to go out there and fall. And he said, I promise you I will not let you fall. I will help you. And he did. In exchange for help with her acting, Houston gave her co-star tips on singing. The Bodyguard, in case you're not familiar with the movie, is about a singer played by Houston who requires the protection of a bodyguard, played by Kevin Costner, after being harassed by an obsessive fan. A romance then develops between the star and her protector. From the Bodyguard movie soundtrack, this is I Will Always Love You. Wong Kar Wai fan, you might know that Nora Jones starred in his film My Blueberry Nights in 2007. It was his first feature in English and her first feature as an actress. When asked why he wanted to make a movie in English, he said, because I wanted to work with Nora Jones. I think she was his muse and he built this project around her. Of note, singer Cat Power, aka Sean Marshall, also had a role in this film. For Grammy award-winning musician Nora Jones, becoming an actress was something she had daydreamed about when she was a child. Well, I mean, who hasn't, really? She continues, but I also remember wanting to be a princess and a veterinarian. I never really thought it was going to happen, but she was unexpectedly approached by the Hong Kong director Wong Kar Wai after watching his previous work 
The singer agreed, even though there was no script to read, no character to study, and she had zero acting experience. Well, that would give me a panic attack. She said, I took a few acting classes and asked the director if he could tell me a little something about the film or the character that I could work on in class. He said, no, 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 I don't want you to take any classes. You'll be fine. I want you to act natural, <laughs> which for me will get the exact opposite result. Act natural. And I'm like, now I'm overthinking it. I don't know what natural is. Several of her friends tried to talk her into ignoring Wong's advice, but she decided that because it was his movie, she'd do it his way and stop the classes. This relieved her of any anxiety or guilt about not being prepared, because there was literally nothing to prepare. On the first day of the set, she kept thinking, what am I doing here? She didn't get a screenplay until about two weeks before shooting started. And once on the set, the script continued to change. <laughs> the script was worthless. I was terrified. I was mortified. I was embarrassed. My voice was really high in all the scenes. I was so nervous. Fortunately, this was the desired effect <laughs> that the director had planned to emphasize in her character. If you're unfamiliar with the movie, My Blueberry Nights opens in modern-day Bronx, where a distraught and insecure Elizabeth visits a cafe run by Jeremy, played by Jude Law. Elizabeth is certain that her boyfriend has been cheating on her and has been taking other women to the cafe between trysts. Jeremy diplomatically verifies tidbits of information and delivers advice over slices of blueberry pie that his customers never seem to want to buy. Nora Jones's acting abilities grow along with her character, who becomes increasingly confident with each scene. She described her acting experience as a positive one, but that doesn't necessarily mean she'll be making more movies. For me, the film is like a beautiful memory, she said. When I see it, I think of all the fun I had and all the new friends I made. I think of it like a yearbook. So we might like to look through our yearbooks from time to time. That does not mean we want to go back to high school. Anyhow, this is Nora Jones and one of the songs from the soundtrack, The Story. I don't know how to begin Cause the story has been told before I will sing along, I suppose Justin Timberlake Justin has pretty much always been hustling. His dad was a Baptist choir director and he had several musicians in his family. At age 11, he was on Star Search. Then at age 12 and 13, he was a Mouseketeer. By age 14, he'd formed the boy group Sync, and he was 17 when they started getting noticed. So I think it might be a case of a person with talent who also happened to be in an environment where they could learn, be instructed, be exposed, and gain some confidence in being on a stage at a very early age. That would definitely give you an advantage. In 2002, NSYNC went on a hiatus that was intended to be temporary, but the band has never recorded music or toured together since. And it's now been 19 years, so it's, it's not looking good unless somebody uh, runs out of money and desperately calls everyone else for a reunion. However, Justin's solo music career did very well, 
and his acting career likewise. His first movie role was in Model Behavior in 2000 when he was a mere 19 years old, but he has gone on to act in about 21 movies with more movies to come. In addition to the music and the acting, he's also opened several restaurants, started a clothing line, has invested in several different things, and he participates in humanitarian efforts for Tennessee, where he's from. He's quite ambitious. We may all think fame sounds nice, but doesn't this just sound a little exhausting? So the song I'm playing is from the soundtrack of the Trolls animated movie. It's a duet with Anna Kendrick. It is a cover of Cindy Lauper's song True Colors. Cause I will always be there and I see your true colors shining through. I see your true colors. That's why Dolly Parton's first feature film, 9 to 5, came out in 1980, and after that she's been in about eight movies, including some animated films. But she wasn't always so willing to give acting a try. At the beginning of her career, she was hesitant about making movies. In an interview she did at the age of 21, her interviewer pointed out that several of her Nashville peers had been starring in country music type films. She said, I've had offers lots of times to do some acting, but I don't care to act. I told them I would do a part where I could sing and maybe just have a few lines, but I'm too common to try to act. I really don't care to because of all the writing and my family to take care of and the singing and booking and recording. I really don't have any desire to get involved in anything I'm not that interested in, but I will be doing some singing parts and some movies and stuff. That's really all I care to do. But 11 years later when she was interviewed, she said she'd been speaking to 20th Century Fox about making her film debut. I have never done any acting at all, never thought I'd be particularly good at it, she told the magazine, but the people at 20th Century Fox really feel like I can be, or that I am, a natural actress. All I said was, I don't know if I can or can't, but if you think I can and you want to take that chance, I'll take it with you. Very humble. And 9 to 5 did do well, and it opened the career path for movies to come. So here is Dolly Parton singing the song by the same name, 9 to 5. Proud Mary, keep on turning, turning, Thunderdome, keep on burning, yeah. That's right, it's Tina Turner, and her most notable movie role was as Aunt Entity in Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome in 1986. She won the NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Actress in a Motion Picture Award. But one wonders, that one being me, how did she star in that. Like who is seeing Tina Turner and thinking dystopian post-apocalyptic villain? They had a very different listening experience to Proud Mary than I ever did. So to go back in time, it's 1984, Tina Turner had dropped her comeback album Private Dancer and it was a huge success. 
the first person to pick up a phone and bring bring her with hello miss turner could i interest you in my film was steven spielberg who asked if she would take the lead in the color purple and she was like huh a movie with women being repeatedly abused by men my ptsd says no thank you but then she got a call from australia George Miller, director of the box office smashing, I can talk smashing, Mad Max films, was concluding the saga and auditioned Turner to play the villain. He and co-writer Terry Hayes had written the part specifically for Tina Turner. He'd watched an interview and was captivated by her positive image and charisma and was like, you need to be my next villain. (laughs) That's what a positive image and charisma gets you. And that snazzy chainmail dress she wears in the movie, 70 pounds, 70 pounds. She's a little human, 70 pounds. What are the costumers thinking? (laughs) Not that it's functional, sheesh. But Tina Turner didn't do anything this grand on a movie scale after this. She got it out of her system, I guess, and preferred to stick to singing. So this is that We Don't Need Another Hero song from the Mad Max soundtrack. Well, hello there, listeners. Guess what? You've reached the middle of the show. That's right. At the halfway point, we've come so far. So I've been talking about singers who took a turn on the silver screen. And if I can find it out, I tell you how they got there or something about the experience. Harry Connick Jr. After a movie part in Memphis Belle in 1990, he's acted in a total of 23 films. He's busy. When asked about how he got started in music, he says, I was young. The first time I played on stage, I was five. Oh, good for you, Harry Connick Jr. And it was at the New Orleans Center for Creative Arts. I remember looking up over the piano and seeing all these people clapping, and I liked that. My mom took me to Washington, D.C., and there was a piano in the hotel lobby. I asked her if I could play. Within 10 minutes, people were throwing money. She made me give it all back. And I was thinking, this is easy. I can do this. I'm not a good student. I'm not a good athlete. But this, I know how to do. I had to work for it because my teachers kept telling me I wasn't good enough and that I had to practice more. If only Harry Connick Jr. would apply himself. He's got so much potential. I can hear it now because that's what my teacher said about me. Then I hit a brick wall when I was 13. Oh, no. I was studying with Ellis Marsalis. Okay. And he was not amused. He didn't find me cute or interesting and did not let me think I was talented. I was a loose cannon. I was undisciplined and all over the place. My teachers would say, you should quit and go do something else with your life. (laughs) At least my teachers never said that. They would tell my dad I could do whatever I wanted, but they wouldn't tell me that. (laughs) You must keep it a secret from Harry. (laughs) He's talented. Don't let him know. When I was 18, I moved to New York City, 
and my dad asked Ellis if he thought I could make it, and he said, Harry is like secretariat looking for a race to run. How quotable. Does this man just like keep a bunch of like interesting quotes at the ready? Like, I bet he's going to write his autobiography one day. I better get this good one in so people will think I'm wise, like 20 years from now. If that was his plan, like, it's so working. Uh, When asked how he got into acting, he said, Well, I'd done some plays in high school and a few commercials when I was a kid. I like the idea of words conveying a meaning because as a singer, that's what I do. That's what acting is, too. But there's no music. So he's a little bit less quotable than than Ellis and his secretariat uh, quote, I see. When I was 19, I was playing in a little club in L.A., and a casting director saw me and asked me to audition for a film. It was called Memphis Belle. So there's all these actors in L.A. begging for roles, and this guy is just like, hey, you kid, <laughs> come come audition for my play. And like he wasn't even looking for it. It just like landed at his feet. He says, I don't know if I wanted to make movies because I didn't know what the process was like. I remember Matthew Modine, the lead in the movie, who was 10 years older than me, asked if I wanted to be a big movie star. I said, sure, why not? (laughs) Why not? (sighs) Other people are slaving away. This is their dream that they've been following for decades. And he's like, maybe, I guess. He said, Matthew said, then stand next to me because I'm being paid more than all of you. And they're going to put me right in the middle of every shot. So if you want to be seen, stand next to me. So I did. And I just watched him. I didn't know anything. That was very nice of Matthew Modine to to be like, I'm kind of a big deal. So like, if you want a little of this to rub off on your career, just stand next to me. I should keep that in mind for some occasion. I don't know what occasion that that would be. Yeah, I'm not going to be in a movie, but if I want to be seen, stand next to the most important person in the room and maybe it'll like rub off by association. Uh, They asked him if he was scared about being an actor. He says, not at all. I just didn't know what to do, but I've always been kind of a con artist in that way. I'll get in the door and once I'm in, I'll figure out what to do quickly. I watched what the other guys are doing and got more auditions and offers and fell in love with it. He's like the exact opposite of me. I require like months of advanced planning for these things. But I mean, it's got to be nice for him. And I do get a a kind of a scrappy, happy-go-lucky feeling from reading his interviews. He didn't have like a lot of soundtrack songs. But one of his songs that made it really big on a soundtrack in a movie he wasn't in was When Harry Met Sally, for which he won a Grammy. This is It Had to Be You. It had to be you. It had to be you I wandered around And finally found The somebody who Madonna Her first notable movie role Was Desperately Seeking Susan In 1985 And she's been in about 17 movies and films Altogether I could not find the right Google formula to unlock the history that is about Madonna's acting career. Like, how much did she want to act? What were her thoughts and feelings about being in movies? Mainly on the internet, there's just a lot of back and forth about whether she's any good at it. And a lot of people being like, well, no, but bless her heart, I love her anyways. 
So this is from the 1987 movie that she was in, Who's That Girl, singing a song by the same name. When you see her, say a prayer and kiss your heart David Jones, a.k.a. David Bowie. He's been in over 20 feature films, six of which he had a lead part in. After reading more of his biography, it doesn't really seem like he went from singing to acting, but like his life was just one very long stretch of performance art. He had many musical personas, and so he was always acting on a stage in one way or another. He was interested in music as a child. His teacher said his voice was adequate in the school choir, but he demonstrated above average abilities playing the recorder. Anyone who can make hot cross buns on a recorder sound good shows amazing potential in my book. I don't know why music teachers torture themselves with that kind of, of chaotic noise, at the age of nine, his dancing during the newly introduced music and movement classes was strikingly imaginative. Teachers called his interpretations vividly artistic and his poise astonishing for a child. I wish there was videos of that because I don't think I've ever seen a child dancing and I thought that their poise was astonishing. Well, you know what? No, I take that back. If you've ever watched the reality TV series Dance Moms and Maddie Ziegler, she had the the it factor going on where she was just really good. He released his first single at the age of 17, but he also went on to study dance and mime under Lindsay Kemp. Firstly, I told him that I wanted to see his spirit dancing, Kemp has said. I'm attributing an accent to him that he probably doesn't have. I want to keep doing it, so I am. <laughs> I really believe that movement is the soul's desire to be free, and therefore I had to begin by kind of freeing him from his timidity, his shyness. I mean, he was very keen. He had the desire, God knows, but it took a lot of gymnastics, physical work, to make his body more flexible. He certainly had the imagination of the dancer, but I told him I encouraged him to be more audacious, you know, more experimental, to take risks, and so on. And one pursuit kind of fed into the other. The things he sought out of dance not only influenced his acting, but his sense of presentation both in music and videos. They say his acting career was productively selective. He would skip large roles for cameos and supporting parts. Which makes sense to me. Like, big time acting seems really hard. It takes a lot of time and a lot of work and commitment. But a cameo? I mean, you get some money for like a day's work. I mean, that sounds good to me. Critics have observed that had he chosen not to pursue music, he would have found great success as an actor while other critics have further noted that while his screen presence was singular, his best contributions to film were the use of his songs, which to me sounds like more of an insult. One is like, you know, if you, if you wouldn't have done music, you could have made it in the secondary career. The other one was like, the only thing you added to movies was the soundtrack. <laughs> it sounds mean. 
right? I'm not the only one? Okay. He was also a painter and artist. He began an intensive self-improvement course in classical music and literature and started work on an autobiography. He was quite the Renaissance man. The song I'm playing is one of my favorites because of nostalgia, but it's As the World Falls Down from the movie The Labyrinth. Stephanie Joanna Angelina Germanata, aka Lady Gaga. She began playing the piano at age four when her mother insisted she become a cultured young woman. And she practiced piano throughout her childhood. Her parents encouraged her to pursue music and enrolled her in a creative arts camp. She had some leads in musicals during high school and she studied method acting for 10 years. That's a long time. And she unsuccessfully tried to be an actor. She auditioned for some New York shows and got just tiny little roles. She's now been in five films with her starring role, like her debut really, the 2018 movie A Star Is Born, where she plays opposite to Bradley Cooper. When I was a very little girl, the first dream I ever had was to be an actress. I went to acting school and I took classes, but I was not good at auditioning, she added. So I guess if you get famous enough, they'll forgive you if you have a subpar audition. Anyway, here is from the movie A Star Is Born, the song Shallow. everyone we've come to the end of the show I still had so many singers turned actors on my list that I do believe I will make this into a two-part series as always thank you so very much for listening and supporting KSKQ and our show shout out to Miriam our most loving and loyal listener we don't deserve you but we're so glad you like listening to us you can find past episodes on iTunes or any podcast-style app, and we encourage you to check out the KSKQ website and see the weekly show list and see if there's anything else that may catch your fancy. So this is Jennifer with Dream Infringement signing out for the evening. So long, and thanks for all the fish. <laughs>